Oh, I'm supposed to tell you that you're being recorded. <laughs> is that part of the deal? So it says at the top. Oh, did it? Oh, so it's it not says, against my. <laughs> it says, uh, avoid legal snags by notifying the other party they're being recorded. But that still doesn't mean I have to agree. I just I am just informed. You can that's hang awesome. up, I guess. I get. Yeah, that's true. So it's on me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when you have my approval, I guess. So we'll do that. What's going on? It's the Tamale Mafia podcast, the place where everything and absolutely nothing collide. I'm your host, Aaron, and uh, it's just another Monday in the Tamale Mafia universe. Now, when I say... It's the place where everything and nothing collide. What I mean is that by, is that sometimes we'll talk about things that are really meaningful, that just mean a lot. And sometimes we'll talk about things that mean nothing, just nonsense. It's the place where you can bring everything to the table, your burdens, your worries, your concerns, your theories, Your stories, your past, your future, lay it all on the table, or you can bring your nonsense. Here at the Tamale Mafia Podcast, you will find it all. And uh, today, we've got a very, very, very special episode for you. Um... Special guest in the house, not in the house, special guest on the Skype call, um, had the awesome opportunity to finally sit down with my cousin, Paul. You know him from the Just Breathe podcast, and uh, so we got that coming up today, but before we do that, let me tell you, you can find the Tamale Mafia podcast on... Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Podcast Addict, everywhere you want to listen to podcasts. Dude, break it down, Ben Sound. Yeah, so you can find the podcast anywhere. Um, you can share it. You can go over to the Facebook page. That's uh, Facebook. 
facebook.com forward slash tamale mafia and uh, there you can find the episode links to the current season and the previous season of the tamale mafia podcast um you can like comment share you know all the things that would help us increase our audience that'd be phenomenal all right so without further ado let's get into this week's episode What's up, man? What's up, Aaron? It's been a it's been a long time coming that we we did this, and it's finally happening. I'm excited. Yes, yes, finally happening. And uh, I was trying to think earlier um, when we were talking about setting this up, and I was trying to remember. I was thinking back to our early days, um, and you were you're one of the older cousins because. Uh, Chris is the oldest, right? From that side? Yes. Chris is at least at least two or three years older than me, I believe. And then I know he's definitely older than me, but I just don't know if it's two, three. Yeah, somewhere in there. A couple years older than me. Is Janelle older than you? Ugh, I don't know. Um I think her and I are are was so it was Chris, Janelle, then Joyce, and then Teresa, right? Yeah. So I think I was more right in line with Joyce, if I'm remembering correctly, but I could be completely wrong on on that. But I'm between Joyce and Chris. I'll just put it that way. Maybe that kind of places it. Yeah, because that's kind of how it was in my head, because I always thought about um, when we were younger, it was like Chris was doing his own thing. I don't really remember playing with him much. Uh, and Janelle seemed to always be doing her own thing too. And then it was kind of the rest of us. And I think of, of the rest of us, you were like the leader of the pack <laughs> most of the time. Right. Yeah. Cause you really... know we're older. And so I was kind of like in the middle and then I kind of just took over the, the little chickens. I kind of gathered you guys together and pretty much replicated what Chris was trying to get me to do with you guys. <laughs> so there was that in between because you're right. Chris was the one that was always like catching tarantulas and on a dirt bike and those kind of stuff that was just outside of my reach, obviously outside of your guys' reach. And so I was trying to find a way to get an abbreviated version of that to then do with you guys. But I don't know. It always did kind of fall between that. I was about a foot too tall type thing whenever we would do football or whatever we ended up doing. So, yeah, there was that interesting dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing I was thinking about, too, is that um... – we we only we didn't see you guys that much. I mean, we, a couple times a year, really. True, yeah. Because we were um, either on the other side of the country or the other side of the state or something. We were always away. Yeah. With my dad's job. So for the listeners, uh, our dads are brothers. So that's how this uh, cousinship was formed. Um, my dad and Paul's dad are my dad's the older brother. So, 
Yeah, I think most of the get-togethers that I remember, in fact, if I any memory I have of us, it's um, usually at Momo's house, our grandmother's house, um, and the big property she had there. Like most of the memories I could think of to where we were all together was, like you mentioned, around either holidays, Thanksgiving, or something like that. But we were always like out running around in the, the fields doing something, getting into some type of mischievousness, usually involving the wooded area and stuff like that. But I do have a few other memories, too, to where we either traveled to or we're going through the, I guess, around the Dallas area when you guys lived out there when you were younger, too. I have a few very vague uh, memories of being in the house there when you guys used to have that little uh, pug dog. It was a pug, right? A little Yeah. Pug. Yeah. So I have just random a couple of memories out of that part, too. But, yeah, most of them are housed around that uh, those holiday times we'd get together. Yeah, that's interesting. I forgot you guys had come out there a couple times, um, and uh, uh, to see us when we lived in beautiful old Greenville, Texas. Was that Greenville? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I remember. I don't know. I feel like we're. I don't know if all my memories are from one visit, but it feels like we were out there often. But it might just be like we were out there for a weekend, and then I just kind of focus on that because I just remember like driving around and, and going to do different things to where there was either again, multiple visits or it wasn't like an extended stay. I don't know if we vacationed out there, but uh, I do have memories of, of being in the area for a while. I only have really one solid memory of you guys coming out and it was for several days. So well, then maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I know y'all, y'all had come up and stayed. I don't remember how long it was. It may have been a couple of days or I mean, I can't even imagine it was much more than that. Yeah. I assume we stayed at the house, too. I, I, I can't really picture the house. I can see, like, the living room a little bit, but I don't remember, like, sleeping arrangements or how long we were there or what exactly we did to fill the time <laughs> outside of just entertain each other. Um, yeah. Well, entertain each other was something that I was that you bring up because I, uh, I was thinking about that earlier as well because um, even – thinking back then and like you remember right after our grandmother passed away when we were at uh fina's house down south yes then uh was kind of really stands out as a memory but also i started thinking about when you guys had come to visit and you even back then you were always you you had a couple of things that you were like about um (laughs) Where's this going? I'm not and, sure where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> One of them was that you were you were really uh, always into like scary stories. You, okay. you wanted to you Still either true. wanted to hear a scary story, you wanted to tell a scary story, you wanted to watch a scary movie, you wanted okay. to go visit a graveyard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. go ch- chase some ghosts. Yeah, uh, and we did a little bit of that, right? At that same time, didn't we go somewhere or some school, or maybe we're just telling stories that that same trip that we took after Momo passed? Didn't we like either gathered around with all the aunts and uncles to talk about it, or I almost remember going up to a school to where there was some story that some student died, and like if you were looking at the back of the school where the stairwell was, you could see them. Or <laughs> maybe I just said, yeah, this but it sounds no. I don't know, that sounds familiar. There was something that was like a, a local legend of some kind that yeah. I think I'm guessing you found out about or somebody <laughs> found out about because I remember you just being like, we need to go there. We need to go there. And uh, I don't I remember that um, one of the adults there said, 
uh, that the field behind their their place was haunted. And okay. if, like if you go out there, like it in the when the sun is going down, um, you might see a ghost or something. So I remember all us all hanging out, like kind of in the back, waiting for something to happen. And then we saw this uh, ghost running, like a like a, a white. <laughs> wispy figure of some kind uh-huh. and i remember being freaked out of my mind like and then uh uh we all were like freaking out and i remember you being like run <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, actually really something or did where we like played a trick on people because I, like i said i have a bunch of weird memories with chris involved i don't even know if he was there was chris on that trip or no no i don't remember chris oh, okay. being on that trip I, but okay. i think at some point one of us uh said why is that ghost wearing tennis shoes <laughs> and then it was like, gotcha. oh, it's just one of the adults from inside with a sheet over their head. Okay, yeah, yeah. I knew there was some type of twist, a little plot twist on that whole ordeal. But okay, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. But I, for some reason, I guess I would been, I was putting on a good front because I, I feel like I was just as scared as you guys were, and I know I had like a weird obsession with those kind of stories and still do like horror and scary stuff, but um. I don't know. The memory I have is I remember that, but I also remember, at least in, internally, kind of being a little freaked out of my mind, too. Especially when we went back to the house and, like, all the fun and games were over and it was time to go to sleep. So <laughs> I, I think I still had... I probably was just putting on a, a front. But, but uh, yeah, it's weird. I do remember those that trip that we took up there. Yeah. And the other thing that I, you were always about from an early age was, like, putting on a show. Yeah, I... I do seek attention, Aaron. That is a true story. <laughs> you always were like, "Hey, let's let's sing this song or let's do this skit." Or you were always coming up with like a show of some kind <laughs> that we would put on for the adults, right? Uh, which I, I find so, very um, interesting. So embarrassing. I don't even know if you remember if you were. I don't even know if you're a part of this one, but I, on that same note, whenever my brothers and I would get in trouble, to get out of trouble, I remember pulling them to the side in the bedroom to come up with some little greatest showman skit that we were going to go outside in the living room and then try to present the show to them to get off of restriction oh my god i did do that that's right oh man if that video ever existed i didn't know i pulled you guys into that yeah because oh, like i think it, pretty much anytime we got together there was always you're always scheming up some kind of a let's do this or that you know but yeah the one that really stood out to me was was at that same trip down south and then um, my dad was like, no, we're going to head back early mm-hmm. and you put on this big production, got us all involved and we were all like singing, Oh, won't you stay <laughs> Okay, just a little bit longer. Oh, so copyright infringement. On <laughs> yeah. <Okay>, cool. <laughs> oh my God. Sort of remember that. I guess the, the point was to try to convince them to let you guys stay. <laughs> yeah. So we, oh, so we put to leave and, and it worked because oh, we ended it? up staying, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, but I just remember you being the spearhead behind that. And the other thing uh, I remember about that trip was uh, Jason being mad at me because I couldn't, I didn't know how to play One Sweet Day on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> he kept requesting uh, it over and over. Oh, play God. One Sweet Day, Mariah Carey. <laughs> Boys to Men, play uh, it. Like, oh, I don't know God. how. You suck. <laughs> You're the worst cousin. Who doesn't know that song? Oh, jeez. Oh man. Yeah, that's the trip that we took Momo's ashes down, right? Yeah. And so I remember every stop we made along the way, 
your dad or my dad won, whoever was the first one to think of it would make some kind of joke like, oh my God, you left mom in the car. And they would <laughs> laugh like hysterically for 10 minutes every time we stopped. It's like, dude, you said the same joke two hours ago at the gas station. <laughs> That's weird. That sticks out to where they, they kept making that same silly, silly joke. Oh, man. Those guys had an interesting um, relationship with their mother. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, but I think, I don't know how you are because I really haven't dealt with you in the in the realm of grieving but i'm the same way to where i cover a lot of grief with humor even if it's something incredibly tragic now not tasteless humor but i i'm usually one to kind of make light of a situation which is my way of kind of moving through that and i noticed my dad did i think my dad did it more of because he didn't know how to grieve and so he went the opposite way but i it was interesting. Anytime there was something serious, that was kind of the default reaction that they would do. And I noticed that I started mirroring some of that myself, even though I think I was doing it more as this is my way to, to get through things. So I don't know if your dad was doing that too, but that joke that kept happening, that trip, I kind of felt that was at least my dad's way to kind of shield the tears. And then I, I noticed myself in my own life later on, as I grew up that anytime something tragic would happen, I would have that same type of mentality to make people laugh in the area that are dealing with this so they could have that comic relief moment because the grieving was going to be there. So I don't know if that was the same thing of how your dad did or if they're just being silly, but that's always something that kind of stuck out to my mind to where like, I don't know if that was something that was hereditary or, or kind of passed down, but something I definitely yeah. did. No, I think so too. Cause I mean, I never really uh, saw my dad like, He's not the breakdown and cry kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and so he's he was always uh, trying to lighten the tension, I guess. Yeah. With, with humor. Um, and then when my dad and your dad got together, it was like it was like pure chaos. Yeah. You know, doubled up. Yeah. Yeah, because they would play off of each other so well. Um. And then they had that relationship with their mom where they were just so antagonistic. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? exactly. They were, yeah. they were, I mean, it was like their, their loving way of relating to her, but they were just ornery, you know? Yeah. And that never ended. So uh, it is no surprise to me that that's how they handled things, you know, when she passed away. Yeah, when the divorce is. Yeah, to, my, to that point, I don't know. I assume my dad, I can't remember too much of the funeral. I mean, remember bits and pieces of it, but I don't know that even my dad and growing up and stuff, I don't know that I ever saw him cry, but maybe, maybe two or three times total. So he was, I always took it as he was, his nerves were bigger than any type of emotion he could feel. And so I always took it as, Hey, I'm going to default to just being an idiot than showing true emotion. Cause even like divorce and things came up in life. I don't think I ever really saw him cry till I was an adult and I'm trying to remember why he was crying, but, uh, that's, that's weird. And that's probably also type of generational type thing too, to where you can't cry. You're not supposed to. And, and, and that type of thing. Um, but I think I cry like once a week. So I don't know what the hell happened to me, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a whole, like the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm with you on that. Cause I was even telling one of my friends the other day, I was like, you know, sometimes if I haven't had a good cry in a while, I'll just go watch them. Like, the Ellen show videos, videos from Ellen where she's like, yeah, as some kind of like, uh, we're going to give this family who had this hard time of, you know, some money. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's so sweet. 
Well, that's a good that's a good choice, but I will I'm not sure if you know these yet, but on YouTube they actually have compilations that are actually called Try Not to Cry Challenges. <laughs> so if you if you really want to get there, you can they'll put these like seven to ten minute clips and it's just literally like Air Force dads coming back and oh, those, three legs. Oh. And yeah, they're all those kind of things like back to back to back, and the whole goal is to try to get through those things in fact my son caleb who's nine he came out of the room the other day a little teary eyed and i was like hey, hey is everything okay he goes i was watching the challenge but i didn't cry but he's <laughs> even he was there so um if you need a if you need a quick uh, i need a cry type thing ellen's good but you might want to try one of those challenges because it's it's two-part because you get to see if you can beat it and if not you you, you get a good cry in so yeah it's a win-win well, i can't i'm not i i just <laughs> it's not built in me to beat it if I see somebody crying, I start crying. I'm like, why? Yeah, I don't know why they're crying. Why I don't? Yeah. Why am I crying? That's I don't so even know what's true. going on here. I have, I have no information as to what's happening. But I just walked sad. into this room and I see this lady crying. Now I'm crying, and I don't even know why. Oh man, that I was like, so dude, true. if I ever, I haven't had it happen yet, but if I'm ever pulling somebody over for speeding and they start crying. <laughs> Is that going to be the key? <laughs> no, I'm going to write up are... the ticket, but we're oh, going to cry gonna... together. Okay, I got you. <laughs> it's going to have tear stains all over it. <laughs> so you'll carry the burden with them. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm not a like a, a bawling crier. Like Mine's more of a sniffle, wipe my eyes. I've never been like, <laughs> I haven't got to that point. I don't try to think. I don't think so. Like I, most of my crying is is soundless. There's there's nothing that comes out. <laughs> uh, but to be honest, it's been a little bit of time since I've done it. But I, I don't think I've ever been like a full on ugly cry. Oh my god, what's wrong with dad? And they hear me like from downstairs or something. So <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Dwight when he's crying because uh, he missed Angela. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. I don't I don't think I've gotten there. But uh, <laughs> definitely very in touch. Sometimes too much with uh, the old sensitive feelings and what what comes it goes so and yeah, it's weird because my dad never taught me to hey no son it's okay to cry it's just it just developed on its own most of the time you kind of repeat that process but not for me yeah i find that interesting too because uh i think when i think back to the to the environment that both of our dads were raised in and what they had to deal with it's yeah. it's really no surprise that that yeah. uh, they came out of that with less than human emotions. Correct. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, I don't remember my dad teaching me, "Hey, don't, don't end up like this. Be, be a crier." <laughs> you know. Yeah. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. or either way, saying, "Hey, you can't cry, man up," or anything. It just, I think it just kind of maybe it's more on my mom's side. I don't know, but I don't, my mom doesn't really cry that much either. My mom's kind of a gangster too, so I don't really know where yeah, it came from. It's weird. I, I don't think I don't even with my mom too. The same with me. Although she's much more emotional, there was never anybody that kind of said, "Hey, it's okay to feel this way." I think the only thing I've been able to been able to come up with is that I wanted to so badly be the opposite of what my dad was in certain areas. Yeah. That I maybe I kind of self trained myself without even knowing it. Yeah. Um, because that that was definitely nothing that was like, "Hey, I've had an awakening, son." And, this is what you really need to do or for your family or for your kids. It, it was just something I was like, you know, this was done this way and I'm going to stay as far away from that is even if I end up wrong, I'm going to go the other end. And maybe that's where some of that came from. More from my conversation with Paul coming up right after this. 
Hey guys, if you find this conversation even just a little bit entertaining, you can head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Tamale Mafia. You can like, jump in the conversation by commenting, and share it with all your friends. That would do us a great big giant favor and help spread the news. The Tamale Mafia podcast is here. Now let's get back to the conversation with Paul from the Just Breathe podcast. Yeah, which kind of brings me to another thing I was thinking about today, because you talk about it a lot on the Just Breathe podcast. Uh, I talk about have talked about it a little bit on mine, but probably not as much as yours, because most of your stories that you tell happened in and around the school or the church that you grew up in. Yeah. Um, so you refer to the church a lot. Um, and I was thinking about that today too, because even though we grew up on opposite sides of the state or the country at times, uh, we still grew up in the same church system because my parents always went to what would be called sister churches mm-hmm. of that church. So, you know, they would basically, go to the church staff or pastor or whatever and say, we're moving to this city. Um, was the church that we need to go to? Yeah. Okay. And so they would, they would kind of reach out through the network and go, okay, this is the church you need to go to when you get to that city. And that's the church we would go to. So it was always made sure that we were still in this. We weren't going to go to hell by accidentally walking in the wrong church. Yeah. The wrong one. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because, now, not so much on your most current season on your podcast, but on the previous one, you did reference a few times some of your upbringing and thoughts. And I had to kind of think for a second, like, OK, that really sounds like my church. So I was trying to get the timing of when were you actually there? And then as I found out, it was actually not even the same church, but it was the same core beliefs and, and structure in place, fortunately or unfortunately. And that makes sense, you know, as far as saying the sister church thing, because, yeah, man, moving churches, that was one thing that. Dude, you took that more serious than a spouse. That was that had to be something that was, I don't know, like a literal sign. And although I didn't get to experience the sister churches because we stayed in the same spot until I left at 19. But then I came right back in about four years after that and spent another five years there. So that was ingrained for sure. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's weird. Like when you guys would go to competitions in Chattanooga. Yeah, a lot of those churches from around the country that would be there are churches that I had gone to or was a part of when I was traveling. Gotcha. Okay. So there's that. It was kind of a network of of places. Um, and then we, you know, obviously, if we were back in town in San Antonio, then we would go to the church that you grew up in. Right. Um, yeah. That was that would that was basically our home base. But you know, I was trying to figure out how that happened because. We we were all there, right. and I don't know. I I try. I think I asked my parents one time how that happened because, to me, it's like that's the most successful MLM of all time. <laughs> <laughs> we got the family involved, yeah. like the whole family bought in. 
Yeah, big time. Like there because... was no person that rebelled. Everybody was like, yeah, that, that sounds good to me. Let's do it. Nobody ever said, you know, maybe not. That's a little too much. Like everybody was on board. Yeah, yeah I mean, but who started it? Because I know my parents ended up in that church because our dad's uncle took my dad, my mom and dad there. See, I didn't even know that part. And said like, hey, you need to get your life together. You're going with me to this church. And that guy was probably the closest thing that my dad had to a dad. Okay. I don't know how your dad, if your dad was close to him or not, but um, so my dad was like, yeah, I'll go. Where are we going? You know, kind of a thing. Right. Um, and then he went to that church and the, his first time there, he was like, I'm, I'm going to get saved. And he went home and poured all his beer down the sink, <laughs> you know, change yeah. his life forever kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but then how the dominoes fell from there. So I was like, I'm thinking that's the origin because your dad didn't take my dad there. His uncle did. So what, cause I came down from, we came down from Ohio when I was seven. So that's 1982. And immediately, it feels like immediately we were enrolled into the school there and the church. So in 82, was that around the time that your dad also located the church? Cause how, mm -hmm. how old were you in 82? I would have been two. So yeah, yeah. it was around that time. Okay. Because I, I don't see that's something you just mentioned. I didn't even know that part. I was always curious. I guess I could have just asked, but I never knew how my family, how my mom and dad found the church. But like I, I said, it was almost like we had a church home before we even figured out where we we're going to live. And it was almost instantly. So obviously someone told him about it. But yeah, it was, it was full, full hook, line, sinker buy in as well. Um, yeah. Right when we got here. Because then I was like, well, Bob and Diana ended up there too, which mm -hmm. is our aunt and uncle. Yeah. And then on my mom's side, my uncle Rudy and his family ended up there. So the only one that made that didn't join up was Uncle Frank. Is that, is that the only well, one? Well, yeah, but there? but Frank was not in Texas. I don't think. Yeah, he was still in what Louisiana or something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where he was. <laughs> allegedly, yeah. yeah allegedly. The myth is very blurry as you kind of read. Um, I've met Frank like twice in my lifetime. And, uh, same for me, actually, I think, to be honest. The first time I remember meeting him uh, was with you guys. Uh -huh. And we were uh, up when he was living up here in Louisville. And uh, we somehow we all ended up here and we were going to go meet Uncle Frank, you know, and you guys were all excited because I guess you had met him before. We had horses. And so that's the only thing I can think of because I have a very a, a few horse memory and he had like little go-karts, like a little uncle frank amusement park in his yard there and <laughs> maybe that's what i was thinking of because I, I like i said i remember riding the horses in that yard that he had like outside the trailer home and then those little go-karts and so maybe that was why we were a little psyched yeah yeah we're like uncle frank yeah <laughs> and we like we met him at this gas station and to follow him over to his house and uh we you were like you and jason jason is uh paul's brother for the listeners that don't know you and Jason were like, we're going to ride with Uncle Frank. <laughs> and then uh, so Adrian, my brother, Adrian and I, we jumped in like, OK, we guess we're going to go, too. And I just remember Frank turning around from the driver's seat and looking into the back seat. And then, I don't know how to explain Frank, how to describe him other than like. Like a wild man. Yeah. He's like, like, What's those guys? The 
the duck call guys. Like That's a duck dynasty duck kind dynasty. of guy? Yeah, like what I think of. With less teeth? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just a really wild looking dude. And I was used to like people who wore suits and ties yeah. most of their lives, you know? Yeah. Very buttoned up. And uh, I just remember him, he like yeah. turned around and goes, you want some candy? <laughs> and just started laughing in his Uncle Frank laugh, which was like a maniac. Oh. Like Charles Manson looking oh. guy in the front seat. Yeah, I Charles Manson, that's another good. He didn't kill anybody, I don't think, but that's another good analogy. <laughs> scared to death, dude. Oh, man. I was just like, in my head, I'm like, hell no, I don't want any candy, you know? <laughs> He's like, What's the matter? Am I a stranger? <laughs> yeah, because most likely the candy was already unwrapped and he just pulled it out of his pocket. <laughs> so, yeah, that's always weird, man. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that, that's a that's an interesting dynamic. <laughs> yeah, so he, he never made it into the church system as far as I know. No. Well, I think he has a, now, I uh, believe he's involved in All a right. Baptist church in Louisiana in the last okay. probably 10 years or so. But back then, he was... <laughs> Interesting. Still out there. Yeah, uh, just just randomly, one of his, um, I assume, previous wives reached out to me just on Facebook, like, "Are you Paul DeLeon?" Anytime you get that kind of thing, you're like, "Oh crap!" And um, <laughs> but I, she had some type of relationship at one point with Uncle Frank, and she was like trying to get information. I was like, "Dude, I've seen that dude like one time." I was on a horse. <laughs> I was like six. I have no idea where he's at. <laughs> what he's doing. Um, yeah, yeah, so that that's, that's always been a. I don't know. It's really different because both our fathers were functional in society. So I don't know how he got so far off the beaten path to be kind of his own man in his own world. I don't know. I I, I know he took some hits to the head when he was a kid. Yeah, that'll do it. And that may have that may have sent him off in another direction. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I think know. even at times my dad has been a little bit like. Yeah, just because I've told him, like, I saw him on Frank on Facebook. He's like, yeah, just probably don't, don't reach out to him. And I'm like, damn, my own, <laughs> my own dad is, like, a little nervous about it. Maybe I should um, tread lightly. Uh, I remember one time your dad was like, he was like, hey, uh, telling my dad, oh, Frank reached out to me. He said we need to get together and bury the hatchet. Bury the hatchet, dude. I remember that story. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And my dad's like. <laughs> Don't do it, man. He's going to bury the hatchet in your neck. No, he doesn't know metaphors. He means that literally. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Like, he didn't even know that that was a saying. He's just like, I'm about to bury this hatchet. Uh, That's awesome. Good old Uncle Frank, man. Yeah. Yeah, Interesting dynamics of who they were and then how we turned out how we did, which I don't know if that's a a pro or a con, but. I don't know, man. But you know, kind of going back to the church thing, it's uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about the uh, the rules and regulations and stuff that you grew up with. Because right, I always felt like um, nobody understood what I was going through. <laughs> you know, right, as a kid, yeah. like. But okay, looking back now, I think, oh gosh, that that really sucked. That was a lot of pressure. But I was bought into it, too. Yeah, at the time, yeah, I had no thoughts. Uh, The stuff I shared today, I didn't think that then. I thought it was golden, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're like, man, this is just what you got to do. And then you're, like, judging all the people that don't (laughs) live by your rules, you know? Like, look at those sinners. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. And it wasn't until I got outside that that I started to feel a little bit of, okay, wait a minute, this has been a little bit of a facade. Again, I still, I kind of sound like I talk out both sides of my mouth a little bit on my podcast, but I know that the motive was protection, but it was just so overbearing that it kind of handicapped you going into real life because life didn't work the same way it did inside those walls. And as a kid growing up in that, when you're so sheltered, like there's some embarrassing shit that I did not know about human anatomy until I was well into my twenties. And so even basic stuff like that to where I was like, okay, how, how does that work? Like that kind of shelter. Yeah. So when you, when you have that overbearing, keep people away, like the whole guys and girls on opposite ends, like stuff that was naturally built into us to be attracted to the other sex, that stuff was taught as that's evil land. So trying to recover from that when you got out into quote real world, that was some of the stuff that I look at back at as a negative because it, like I said, it was a handicap and the maturity level I had just being a boy, I'm going to be less mature, but the maturity level I had to kind of function as an adult and try to get into a serious relationship. Dude, I was so ill prepared for any of that stuff that I really felt it set me back and kind of, blew up in my face in a, a, a couple of big ways as I kind of transitioned out of that thought process. Yeah. I think that was probably the, uh, the single greatest um, obstacle coming out of that because, you know, you got to work through the things like, <clears throat> like, okay, I'm not allowed to go to the movie theater. And then you go to the movie theater and you feel dirty and then you're like, Oh, it's not okay. It's really not that bad. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the things that you got to work through, like in your last podcast, you're talking about going dancing and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, you got to work through those things. But to uh, to experience puberty in a way that is like evil. Yeah, uh, that is so such a lasting like those are such formidable years. Um, and then to be to feel like that, like I was my son is 12. And so he's he's kind of right, like really getting into this uh his puberty stage you know it's like yeah. really hitting him yeah and um i was talking to him the other day and i was like dude you've got such a such a much better chance at life <laughs> at coming out <laughs> successful than what i went through i was telling him i was like dude i went through my entire puberty like feeling like i was messed up like i was flawed yeah, so uh, wrong with you. Mm-hmm. I, I, some there were certain times where I questioned, like, am I possessed by a lust demon? Mm-hmm. You know, did I give Satan a foothold in my life somewhere <laughs> because I looked at the J.C. Penny catalogs bra <laughs> section? <laughs> you know. Oh God. Yeah. It's oh man. Yeah. I, I think of one. Well, there's several lessons or little tidbits of information I'd be given by the men of the church, and I remember one time, like, at the peak of a little bit of my sexual awakening. I was like, hey, I have these thoughts and like I look at girls and I think this and the dude, this grown man looked at me and said, don't worry, that will pass. I'm like, dude, it, it, it's, <laughs> no, it's and today it still hasn't passed. It, it was stuff like that. It was like, wait, it's going to pass. OK, so I'll just wait. And there was not there was no structure or like follow up or no, these are normal feelings. Like there was no talk of that. In fact, like you just mentioned, it was made you were made to feel like those thoughts that as natural as they are were sin being developed out and you were sinning and and reaping the the sin from your parents mistakes and everything that was around that part was just built into this 
stay away from it. And again, their idea, I believe, I, I assume, was you you want to kind of be careful with the opposite sex to not mix temptation and opportunity. But again, they went so far the opposite direction that you spent a lot of your adolescence and developmental years just trying to figure out what was wrong with you, much less trying to hone in on these natural feelings that were coming for you. So, man, it was it was tough to, to navigate through all that and yeah. the function. And then when you finally get a girl who uh, recipro- reciprocates at least some of your attention, you don't know what to do with that. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know? Not at all. Yeah, I've been telling my son, um, because, you know, he's got all these text messages and Instagram DMs and Snapchats and stuff from all these girls that he doesn't even really know who they are. They're just, like, girls from school or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. And he shows them to me, and they're wild, dude. I'm like, first of all, put a a red flag in that one. Don't talk to that girl again. (laughs) That, that, you're going to catch a disease from that one if you... (laughs) He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, dude, that's a penicillin shot for sure. Okay. Yeah, big time. So I'm like teaching him how to navigate this the best I can. Cause, you know, when I was, uh, like I said, when I was that age, just like, oh, this girl said hi to me. And then you're just like, there's no, you don't know what to do with that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't know how to navigate it. And if you happen to be, uh, have a personality or, you know, a nice smile or, you know, can make a girl laugh like we can. The attention comes and you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Way out of your league in, in, in a few different ways. Yeah. 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 Yep. And, and, and spent and most of my time dealing with drama because I'm like, well, I didn't know what was, <laughs> you know, I don't know how to avoid that. <laughs> I don't know how to look for red flags. Like this girl's going to rip the heads off of my stuffed animals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so again, I, I was a, I was a, I was a crazy selfish Growing up, I was an immature guy growing up, so I'm not saying none of the problems I engaged with would have not been there, but it was just multiplied beyond because you were just not prepared to have life, social interaction ability to be able to, again, navigate through some just basic situations. Like there was there was nothing even after as we got into adulthood and older teens, the teenage classes and the young adult classes just reinforced everything you learned as a kid from a kindergarten on. So they, they never adjusted to say, okay, by the way, opposite sex is okay, guys. Like there was never like a moment to where they backed down on that. They did, they would double down. And so you still spent your time just milling around the same information. And so I think at least in part that, that played a role in probably some of the choices I made and didn't make that led into some of the bigger decisions that had an effect on my life. And I don't know that that was just my, my journey, but um, sometimes it's kind of, it's hard not to look back with the, a little bit of a snarl to say, man, it didn't have to be like this. And, and yeah. And, and then when you get into some of the deeper stuff with those in the church that would say what to do, but then they always seem to have some type of little exception to the rule in their own personal life. And as a kid, of course you don't see that, but then as you start growing up and seeing that stuff, you're like, man, you guys knew what you were doing. <laughs> and so that's, that's always, yeah, that's always hard to deal with too. So. Yeah. How did you, how, how long were you in that system? Well, again, I, from seven, from seventh, I'm sorry, second grade, when I was seven years old, I graduated from there. Um, I left for a few years during my first um, marriage and relationship. And then when I met Nicole, I actually talked her into going back. And then we spent at least another five or six. So in total, I don't know, 
25 to 27 years of my life under that same type of belief. Now, the belief structure did change as pastors changed. So it wasn't as super old school as when I first went there, but there were still remnants of it. It was still kind of the underlining foundation, um, but it was just enough to to really throw me off and just, like I said, even into adulthood, how to handle a marriage. Like, I didn't learn that women could actually have a say in things until way later in life, like 25, 30 years old, which I was like, oh, oh, wait, they're allowed to talk at the dinner table? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so those kind of things are the things that really make me upset when I think back because so much of my relationship was at risk because Nicole was so into me that she was willing to go with that, which was complete culture shock for her. So yeah, 25, 27 years, I was in that, that system to where it took about 10 years, to be honest, to get out of it completely to where we were able to move on and then start doing our own thing and get into a church that wasn't driven by guilt on down the line. And uh, even as, like I said, a grown man with kids, that was still so hard for me to do because all I ever knew was this other way. And that stuff, man, that can make an imprint on you that is just almost sometimes impossible to shake. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, I think if I had it headed, if I had a had a, if I'd had a different um, experience in that foundational like upbringing, not for my parents. I don't blame my parents at all. I blame the church completely. Yeah. Um. And I think that really impacted or had an impact on how I ended up in my first marriage and how uh, my first marriage was set up to fail Yeah, and how it did fail. You know, that, no, it's not like uh, I have bitterness or regrets about, about how that played out. It's just, I think it would have been different. I think, I mean, I can see the dots lining up, you know, I can see all the, the road signs and it's like, okay, this all, all this pressure and lack of real world education led me there, you know, allowed me yeah. to like feel like I could make a decision <clears throat> and get involved in a relationship that I should have never been in mm-hmm. because mostly because of guilt. You know, the reason we ended up married is because we were, I was living at our house, <laughs> you okay. know, yeah. and I was, yeah. and I was working at a church and I was like, okay, this is, I can't. I can't live this double lie life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just felt like every day I was battling this, this massive amount of guilt. Uh, and it was like, okay, the only way to rectify this is to get married. Right. Uh, you know, which was ended up just being a worse decision, but how many serious relationships did you have? What, how old were you got married? Uh, when I got married, well, we got together when I was 19, so would yeah. you say that was your your one and only serious relationship at that time? Yeah. Yeah, because before that, I would only had church <clears throat> girlfriends. Okay, yeah, same, same thing, man. You know, so it's like I, I had had, and then I'd had maybe, a, I had the, the um, trying to think of the right word to put here, privilege maybe, of having a couple of church girlfriends that let me, have fun with them <laughs> wait a minute that took a big left turn that was not yeah. what I was expecting to say yeah 
Yeah, because I was, I was gonna say a privilege because she helped me walk with God, and this guy went, "Let me have fun with them." Oh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, I had the the church girlfriends that were like the the bad girls that their ah, parents okay. their parents brought them to church. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Okay. to try to straighten them out, and yeah. then I'd be like, "Hey, hey, what's up? I can help you get straight." I know how this goes. <clears throat> uh, yeah, um, that's, that's the same for me. The very first girl. Not the second or third, the very first girl I the very first girl I ever met outside of my circle of church friends, I married. And so that yeah. says something. Like there was no let me see what's going on out there, let me like date around. I my very first job what actually I worked at Jack in the Box, then a couple weeks later as a senior, I moved over to working at Dairy Queen. She was the very first girl I met outside of my church girlfriend circle friends and right immediately into marriage. And like it makes no sense when you think back on it, but the the theme there, or at least the common denominator, I think does point a little bit to I don't know if it's quick trigger or what the thought process is, but hey, if I like her and I think about kissing her and like that, this has to be the wife. And then I think that's where you, or at least where I ran into some troubles because I don't think there was ever a part of our relationship that I loved her. I think I was just doing what I was so quote supposed to be doing because of what I was taught, and. Again, that's some of the stuff that I say, man, that has to do with how I was brought up and what I was taught. And that has a direct effect on it because it was just instant, like weird. I don't know. Yeah. For me, and I don't know, you don't have to answer, answer uh, your side of this if you don't want to. But for me, the uh, she was the first girl I slept with ever. Uh-huh. So even though I had made out with girls and stuff before... Uh, she was the first girl that I well, went all the way with, and yeah, to that's me, the, same, same thing, yep. the the uh, the pressure there was like, well, you've already done an act of marriage, so you have to get married now. Yep, I you did. Know, <laughs> you can't thing. you can't back out of this. Yeah, and, I, I guess I, I guess whatever. Uh, trying to make it right always seemed to outweigh just sometimes logic because it didn't make sense and nobody was ready and so we started this relationship based out of what we were supposed to do to make it right and neither one of us were ready and obviously we barely lasted a year and a half so that goes to show that a lot of it was just driven by hey this is how we're supposed to do things and if we don't i'm not really sure what was going to happen but uh, yeah, it was, it was jumped, jumped into. I never got really found out what was supposed to be the whole punishment, other than you weren't supposed to. Um, oh man, but, God would like make your wiener fall off or something, <laughs> something shrivels up and yeah, falls yeah. off. Ah! Yeah, something would happen that never really got squared away. But yeah, a lot of that stuff was just driven by guilt and fear. And man, I was so controlled by that and so many of the early big decisions I made. <clears throat> Again, I'll never regret my having my son. Obviously, my son came out of that situation, so there was a silver lining, but also the end effect and the outcome it had on his life being that his mom and I didn't last, there's that side of it too. So it's a little bit of, man, that's hard to not look back on and not have like, I don't think I'm bitter. I spent a lot of time being bitter. I think I'm beyond the bitterness of it, but it, even to this day, it's kind of hard to look back and go, man, if this and this would have been different or had I handled this way. Um, I can't point the finger at the church for every decision I made because I was still a grown man. 
but at the same time, those, barely those, those fundamental, yeah, those, but those fundamentals are still built into you. And that's a lot of how you base your decisions on what you do. And so, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Do you <clears throat> like, I guess the way, the way I've handled it is, um, in recent years is just, I, I just can't, uh, be a part of a church right now. It's like, mm-hmm. I have this part of me that's like, I need to go to church. And then I wonder if that's just the old guilt thing. And then mm-hmm. it's like, I'm, there's parts of church that I miss because, you know, it's good to be around people that have like-minded beliefs and like yeah. have a, a, a understanding of, <clears throat> you know, how to encourage. And, you know, it's good to just be around people that get where you're at and what you believe in. Yeah. Um, so there's parts of church that I miss, but every time I walk into one, I just start feeling so cynical. Yeah. And especially, I don't know if, if you have this because for me mm-hmm. being a background of having been in ministry and like working at churches for so long and mm-hmm. it, it like just compounded my cynicism. So like I hear something from the stage and I'm like, Oh God, here we go again. Yeah. There's that thing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and I just get really like, like within minutes, I'm like, get me out of here. You know, I don't yeah, want to be yeah. here anymore. Yeah. Um, how, how have you been able to stay in there? Um, well, I, well, number one, I think we have different, but some similar um, similarity in our, in our backgrounds. Again, while I was never really involved in the whole music side of ministry and this and that back to me trying to throw together a, a greatest showman group, I still always had some type of foot in like, doing a, a what's called theater or some type of play or some type of skit. And so that was always a big part of what I did with the church. But to your point, before I kind of answer what you're asked, the, the first part of it is um, the guilt of you need to be in a church um, lasted for a long time. So sometimes I would just be in a church building feeling the same way you just described, but, but I knew I had to be in a church or else. And the second part of it was, not only do you need to be in a church, but you need to be in a church that God told you to go to. And to this day, I'm 43 freaking years old. I still have not been able to identify when does God tell me that this is the right church? I don't know what that sounds like, what it looks like, but that was always something that was so heavy on us, especially the first time we moved away from my previous church. The pastor at that time was like, giving me heavy warnings that you better not go anywhere that God doesn't want you. And almost like felt like a threat. And I kind of took it that way, and I'm thinking, whoa, damn, what, how do you know? Well, you will know, and that's always how it kind of defaulted. And so um, <laughs> you'll uh, know when your family you, is cursed. <laughs> <laughs> you'll know when you start itching, you know, that kind of thing. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of the first couple places we went were, were that kind of feeling, and I was almost overthinking in my mind, like sitting in the pew, okay, what, I'm trying to feel it. God, it, it, let me know. Make that lady stand up if, right now. If this is the way I was doing all those kind of things because I, I never really knew what to look for. It was always this whole super, obviously, spiritual feeling you'll get and know. But eventually, and it, like I said earlier, it was something I had to learn. I had to unlearn, actually. Um, the church we attend now, I got to a place after being super cynical and skeptical and wait a minute, they sing and then they take the offering? You're supposed to take the offering first. You know, I was down to that kind of situation um i had to get to a point to where i i'll explain this i know the answer but i kind of had to dismiss a lot of the things that i was taught 
um, growing up as far as the rules and the religion part of it, and then just open up my mind to what I was taking away from whatever lesson was being taught or how I was able to find the applicable lessons and whatever was being taught. Once I was able to kind of change my focus to, am I in the right place? Am I sitting here? Is this all happening the right way? Into something that I was finding ways to benefit for my family, for my wife, for myself. Then it kind of started to break away a little bit of those, those feelings. Now, again, to this day, I still have thoughts to where I'm like, I don't know if they're supposed to do it like that. And they're not supposed to ask people to raise their hand if they want to be saved. They're supposed to just know in their hearts. So I still deal with things like that. Um, but I, I think I just had to get to a point to where I let go of a lot of the old ways that I was taught and, and just embraced the way I was able to um, learn and apply the different things that would directly help me be a better person, Christian, father, son, you know, um, husband, etc. So I don't know if that makes sense. Like in my mind, I, yeah. I know the answer to that, but um, it's it's even to this day, it's still something I have to consciously make a decision walking up to the church because we go to a non not non ah, a non denominational church, which even that was something that was ridiculed at my old church. That oh, they can't even make up their mind who they are, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, the whole accept everyone like that's not the way I was brought up. You're not supposed to accept this one or that one or this one. And so those are all things I still kind of struggle with and, uh, and especially being skeptical. So I don't know. It's, it's, that sounds like a, a rambling answer, but. Uh, no, it makes sense to me. I mean, I think the, uh, just the idea of, of the um, accept everyone come as you are kind of thing is something that I've been thinking about lately because for some reason it seems like every time I hear, um, uh, like a worship song or some kind of Christian based Christian themed song with that lyric content of like, come as you are, it just wrecks me. Mm-hmm. It's it so like, it just hits me so hard. And, uh, I think it's, it's because I'm like peeling the peeling off the layers, you know? And like one of those layers that I've been trying to peel off lately is that like that idea of, having to live it up to this certain standard and yeah. even though you say every church says come as you are we'll accept you as you are you know that's not true at all not true no um typically and yeah. yeah and so the just the idea of being like oh you mean jesus loves me for just me <laughs> you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like that's such a such a weird concept and it's like man how do you go through majority of your life raised in church and functioning as a a staff member or minister of that church and still come out wondering if Jesus loves you. Yeah. It's like something's basics. Yeah. You still question. Yeah. Like something's, something's wrong there. So for the last several years, that's been like, I've been kind of allowing myself to, to, question all of those things from before and kind of de-educate using some logic like you know raised to think that the the bible is absolutely perfect god's word and all this stuff and then you kind of like is it really you know is that like are those perfect words that nobody nobody messed with really mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah nobody decided like hey let's cut this part out because that didn't make sense or something you know mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like 
how is it completely flawless? I don't I don't. But then it's like, well, if you don't believe that, then you can't believe anything. You know, it's that all or nothing kind of there's no gray area. It's all black and white. Yeah. So if you can't believe this, you can't believe anything. You, you know what I mean? So I've been yeah. really kind of struggling through that stuff. Like, like, man, I don't know. Um, I tried for a little while. I tried to like erase the idea that there was a God mm-hmm. and then come back around to it. Like, okay, maybe if I just start with a blank slate and go with nothing. And that was like the scariest, loneliest, most hopeless I've ever felt. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. there's gotta be something purpose for all this. You know, if there's no God, there's no purpose. There's no plan. There's no nothing. Yeah. Like what, are, how did we end up here? We just, yeah. you know, like, so I, I, even if I'm like, okay, even if that makes me, make me uh, stupid and wrong, there has to be God because I feel hopeless without it. So if that's bad, flawed logic, I'm okay with that. I'm just going to accept it because there has, that has to be there. There can't be no, no creator, no universe. Yeah. Knitting it all together. You know, it's just energy and, and light and, it's like no, I don't. I don't accept that. That it's just that we're all just balls of energy that just ended up here. I don't accept yeah. that. You know. <laughs> well, I think if you get to a point, I think I've probably done it myself too. To where, okay, even if it's all fake, I still rather believe in this because of A, B, and C. But it's also a Pandora's box because I, I talked in a previous episode um, on my podcast about how weak my mind can be with documentaries, and I used to get into those. Um, I would always listen to those um, debates. Um, for the if god is real or if he's not and dude i would switch my entire life thought process 18 times in a 45 minute video clip <laughs> just like there's no way he's real oh yeah he is no way he's real and back and forth and so i don't know like i said i don't know i don't know how much of we are i don't know how much pressure we're putting ourselves to see a complete understanding of it all but i think if we can get to a point to where we have some type of acceptance of who god is to us um, I think also this comes back to how we were raised. There's so many boxes you're supposed to check off. And if you only checked off 10 of 14, okay, something's missing. And so I, I think that plays a part in us trying to identify every moving piece of how it fits together, which can sometimes be um, a detriment to how we then interpret who God is and, and how we pursue that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of that. I don't think I ever got to a point to where I fully believed, okay, there's not a God, let me start here. But I have entertained that, especially some of the tragedies I faced. I have entertained that um, for a good while to say, okay, if there is and, and there isn't or whatever, what's my next move or what's the next step? And how do I, how does this all kind of fit together? Because if I'm just here to do an eight to five and then have a couple kids and then, you know, put something cute on my headstone, that's, I guess that's okay. That's kind of stupid. But um, finding purpose beyond that, sometimes it started with just, okay, well, I'm going to do this, these right choices for my kids or for my wife. And then as it grew bigger, then it turned back into, okay, I'm, I'm believing that there's a higher being here, that there's a God. And so I want to live my life accordingly without going back to those old religion ways and, and, and find what works best for my family and I. And so that's kind of where I am currently and how I kind of... Um, present myself i guess daily to to kind of tackle it like that and that's worked for me better than <clears throat> better than anything i've done previous so that's kind of how i've looked at it but yeah that can be a slippery slope especially if you kind of feel like you've life has knocked you down or you're 
you know, you're depressed or anxiety, that kind of stuff that kind of seems to tag all the deli on that I know. Um, that's always yeah. something that's different. So, yeah, I think, I think I, I struggled with like the finding a purpose in, in why we exist. You know, yeah. that's kind of where my, my question really sat for a long time. I like what you're saying about how you just had to make a decision on how it works, what works for your family and how your, your um, faith is about finding that purpose and value for your, for your kids and for your wife and for your marriage and those kind of things. And that, I think that's kind of the, that's what brought me back to earth, so to speak. Um, because I was really like, man, I don't get the point of this. Like, like you were saying, like we were born and we do almost nothing and then yeah. we die. And then within like three weeks, nobody is talking about us anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like much, yeah. live my entire life. And then within weeks I'm forgotten. It's like, how's that? Yeah. What the fuck is that about? You know, it's like, <laughs> what's the purpose? Yeah. You know, even famous people, we stopped talking about, uh, what's his name? I already forgot his name. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dylan, what's his name? Uh, Bob Dylan. Dylan. Oh, um, oh, I lost his name. Uh, yeah, just I talked Luke? about him. Luke Perry. Luke, Luke Perry. Yeah, yeah, even that, and he made a mark <laughs> on us. And like, already kind of moving on. And I'm like, yeah, let's see what's next. I think Pet Cemetery is coming out next Friday. We just go <laughs> on to the next thing. Yeah. So, what kind of mark am I going to make outside of the my circle of friends? But yeah. Um, I had to go real small in my mind to just focus on the immediate people that I had a daily effect on and then kind of almost like start from scratch and, and build it from there. Although in the back of my mind, I always felt God was real. I had to get way smaller than that to at least be able to look that direction to find out what's the best move for, for me and how to how to tackle things. Yeah, I was talking to a buddy about it and he, he had a really i don't know if it's he's kind of a philosophical mind so he comes he's like the best to talk to because he comes up with really smart stuff that i would have never thought of <laughs> but he um he had a quote that he sent me and i don't know if it was his own that he just thought of in the moment or he was quoting somebody else uh but it was brilliant and he, what he said was i'm gonna butcher it but it's along the lines of it was like, woe is the man who stands, who starves to death standing in front of a buffet mm. because he cannot decide why he's hungry. Mm. Like, yeah. rather than just eat and enjoy the food, he starved to death because he couldn't decide why he was hungry. What was the purpose of this hunger? <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> yeah, that's good. And so I was like, ah, yeah. 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 I need to shut up, <laughs> you know, I need to stop questioning <laughs> just, and just, just start eating. Start, yeah. yeah. Start eating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I want to shift gears a little bit um, because uh, there's some things that I have to talk to you about from your, mm -hmm. um, from a previous podcast that I was, I don't agree with you. So, uh Oh, I'm never scared of her. We're going to jump back into the conversation with Paul here in a sec. But first, I want to let you guys know that you can catch new episodes every Monday and Thursday here in the Tamale Mafia universe. 
You can join the conversation anytime over at the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Tamale Mafia. You can just find the, uh, the link there to the current episode you're listening to and jump in the conversation. You can comment, you can like it, you can share it. All right, let's go back to the conversation with Paul. I did not make it through Breaking Bad. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm going to have to end this right now. I will check (laughs) with you next year. What? How far did you get? I interrupted you, too. How far did you get? Let me. I think. Okay, go ahead. I have to look it up because I want to be accurate when I say how far I got. But I want to say that I stopped in season four. Hang on. Yeah, season four. Wow, you invested that much time and not even just curiosity kept you? The first the first couple of episodes of season four, I just I just could not I was just it was hard. I was working through it. So Ironically, I would argue that season four has got some of the most powerful episodes, especially towards the latter half. And in fact, if I'm remembering correctly, there's one episode at the very end. I think it's called uh, what's the area underneath your house called? If you not a basement, but if you don't have a basement, but that between the foundation and the ground, uh, whatever it's called, whatever that is, that's what the episode is actually called. Uh, crawl space. There it is. Oh, so yeah. Crawl space is uh, in season four. And one that just left me rattled. But hold on, I got some follow ups. <laughs> what was going on in your life while you're watching this show? And what did you consider good? Because that's season four. And again, it only lasted five and a half seasons. So you're pretty, you were pretty invested at that point. Even Lost, I stuck with after I gave up on it on season three just to kind of see what the hell happened, just so I, out of curiosity. But you were able to step away based out of grueling through the episodes yeah i kind of i i think at the time like initially i stopped watching because i had been going through and then i was like man i don't know why i'm uh continuing to invest my time in this guy who just life just keeps shitting on him and i feel so angry or upset after every episode (laughs) it's like ugh. and so so, did you ever go back uh, I've gone back three times to try to, to re-kick off where I left off, and I've never gotten past the first couple of episodes again. So you don't even know where it goes and how it ends, or has that, has that been spoiled uh, for you? It's mostly been spoiled for me okay. by now, you know, because so many people into the show. Yeah. So I kind of know where it goes and some of the fan theory stuff about Walking Dead and all that kind of stuff I've, I've checked into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and, and to be honest, you're not the first, but not a lot, but a, a few people have kind of told me that, oh, I don't know, I just couldn't get into it. He's like a chemistry major, like that kind of thing. Um, but I don't know that I've known anybody that got as far as you did. Most people say that after like an episode or two. But for you to be that far, I'm, I'm having to believe <laughs> that there was something bigger going on in your life. Because that's the whole thing where you go watch a movie and then if 30 people watch a movie, 20 of them say it sucked and 10 say it was the best thing i ever seen. Sometimes... The 20 people that said it sucked, there's something going on in their life that just wasn't letting them be entertained. Um, because I, 
Breaking Bad, and you really didn't answer. I don't understand still what was it that was bad about it, and you just said you really couldn't get into it. Was there something that didn't fit, or because I hate to believe it had anything to do with writing or acting, but it no, the writing and the acting are phenomenal um, in the in the show. I I think it just kind of started to drag along a little bit. Mm Um, I felt like part of season three when Jesse's kind of going through his, uh, drug, drugged out phase. Yeah. 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 It was just such a beating to watch that. It, like he spent so much time on it. And I was just kind of like, okay, get, we got it. <laughs> we got yeah. it. Okay. I can see that. Now to and, your point, And I've rewatched breaking bad a couple of times actually. And to be honest, when I get to those few scenes that you're mentioning, those are usually some of the ones I'll kind of fast forward and skip through. So yeah, I, I can see, I didn't feel that way the first time, but I can see your point as far as that, that kind of dragging you through the mud and slow motion um, things happening. Um, so, okay. Like yeah. I can, I can respect that opinion as hard as it is. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. What, what I, TV show would you, would you say, captivated you from beginning to end though do you have a reference point so maybe i can get a better gauge at what gets aaron's mind ticking and if you say walking dead we're gonna have bigger problems because that shows off the deep end as well no i tried that one too and i got into like season three and i couldn't do it anymore okay so you belled quicker than i did i'm still actually watching it but at this point i'm only watching to say okay i've invested so much of my life i got to see where these damn zombies go but what what would be a show then that you would say not breaking bad but for sure this one gray's anatomy no i never got into that i never even watched an episode of that <laughs> we watched a little bit of it i'm blaming uh, i maybe some of the shorter series so i think that it's the investing of like 7 or 8 seasons that kind of gets to me okay I think but, that's what it is. I think if you could wrap it up in three seasons, I'm I'm all there. Yeah, but you build it. Oh, so you're saying at three is a max? I got you. Yeah, three or four. Because beyond that, you're kind of like, like even Lost. I didn't finish Lost because I was just like, ugh, come on, yeah, get to the yeah. end already. That was tough. I'm trying to think of what episode TV shows that haven't been canceled <laughs> that would only last um, three seasons, though. You have a limit. Like, that means you have a pretty limited TV viewing appreciation because most again breaking bad was about five and a half um lost one about what six i think it went six yeah breaking i mean uh walking dead is currently about in their ninth uh huh yeah i can't think of any shows that were so, again, one of, they were canceled one of my favorite shows of all time is the office but after season five it falls off it just yeah, falls I apart i agree yeah and that one went what nine seasons also uh-huh and that, that fell apart pretty hard. Um, even some of the episodes that um, Steve Carell was still there, they, when they brought Will Ferrell and stuff in, those kind of got a little wacky. Huh. Yeah. So, like, um, you know, Stranger Things, I'm still all in on that. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. Um, there's, I don't know if you're familiar with the Fargo uh, series from FX. I watched the first two. I have how many? I think there's four out now, right? There's three. They haven't done the oh, okay. fourth one yet. So I'm just one behind. I, I watched the first two and I enjoyed those. Those are good. I mean, I, like I those gritty type love that. Yeah, I was riveted through that. Um, what about Ozark? Are you an Ozark fan? Yes. 
Okay, see. Yes, I'm on board yeah. with Ozark. Um. Hmm. So it's interesting. Your your genres are similar to Breaking Bad, and and even the 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 cinematography and some of the the feel like Ozark is it's got that Breaking Bad feel to it. Um, Fargo has that storytelling uh, appeal. So man, you you might have cracked the the code here. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. Yeah. It's usually, like somebody's like, well, I'm in love with Desperate Housewives, and I just cannot stand Breaking Bad. So, but you don't. <laughs> yeah, you're you're in the same ballpark. So that's that's an interesting. This is the first for me. I'm, I'm trying would, to figure out how to digest it. Yeah, you would think I would love it by all the other stuff that I love yeah. to watch, and that the type of things that I love to watch, and the fact that I did love the first few seasons. Um. It's just I don't know what happened. Hmm. Somewhere in there, man, I just hit a block, and maybe I just got to get through the block. Maybe I just got to. Yeah, especially if you've gone back to try again, and you still weren't able to get through that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I ever felt there were some some episodes that I felt they they were here already with this one, especially around like you mentioned Jesse and his drug usage. But I never got a sense, even in my rewatches. I've rewatched this the series three times in my lifetime. And I've never had a feeling of, okay, that was a little redundant or, yeah, they're kind of regurgitating the ideas here. And for me, it always felt there was something new and, and on the edge to where even in my rewatches, sometimes I have to click next on the next um, episode, even though I know where it goes, just because it's just put together so well. So I don't know. Now, I'm, now you've got me questioning not only my religion, but also if I'm just fanboying about this whole <laughs> thing with Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, that's what I do here. I bring the questions, I shake up your foundations, and then I'm gone. Peace out, bitch. Yeah, that's it. Figure it out on your own now. You won't be able to sleep at all tonight. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but hey, there you go. Well, again, you you brought, although again, I don't know that I got full-fledged, full arguments on it, but the fact that you watched so far into it and you watched similar shows, that's a little bit of a conundrum because, um, yeah, that's a first for me to... To kind of hear that that take on it, but I'll, I still respect I'll, it. I don't agree, I'll, but I respect it. I'll tell you this: I'll, I'll make a promise here. I will, <laughs> I will go back. I will uh, try to start at, uh, season four again where I left off, and pay closer attention this time. To, mm-hmm. I mean, it, maybe I'll get through it and I'll be yeah. fine. Or if I don't, I'm going to come back to you with a reason why. Yeah, and a reason why. Um, like I said, that's legitimate. Crawl space. I'm almost 100 percent sure that is in season four, and I think it's actually a little early on, if I'm right, if I remember correctly. But crawl space, the way the episode ends, and I don't want to build it up too much because I'm going to get myself in trouble here. But yeah, go back and watch it, and if you come away with the same thing, I'm just curious of there has to be something there. Like I said, you you pointed out the repetitiveness a little bit of the Jesse stuff, but that was in season three, so I'm just curious of what what the because you're at season four, you're right into the point of the reveals and stuff starting to happen. So I'm just curious of, you know, like I said, just for curiosity's sake, you may want to see what goes down, even though some of it's been spoiled. So, but yeah, yeah, well, I think that guy that uh, the guy that looks like Obama, the way... <laughs> <laughs> Gus Fring, yeah, <laughs> that in that first. Uh, that first episode, man, when mm-hmm. he comes in and just wipes that dude out uh, unexpectedly, man, that mm-hmm. that is so riveting. Um, and so I know I, I know it, that it had me to that point, but there's something after that in the next 
maybe the next uh, episode or something that just kind of fell off for me. But I'm going to go back and try again, man. I'll give you that. Got it. Fair enough. And I'll, I'll accept the outcome either way it goes. Just because you were a gentleman and you presented your argument. And uh, as big as a fan as you know I am, you still weren't afraid to go there. So I got <laughs> to respect that. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, man. We've said it all. I think we've said plenty. I think we have. Tonight. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. For sure. It was fun. Yeah. Because I got a lot of... There's like a thousand other things I want to ask you about. Oh, we have a lot to go through, yeah. We, have, we haven't had very many long conversations in many years. And every time we get together, we mentioned earlier about just getting together a couple times a year. The conversation is usually just like this to where it's just no pauses and back-to-back. So I think more of this would be beneficial. Yes, sir. I agree. All right, man. Thanks for your time, dude. All right, bro. And uh, Once again, tell the people where they can find you. Right now. You can find me at the Just Breathe podcast, and we are just like my man Aaron here. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, a bunch of other platforms that nobody ever uses. Um, also, another place is the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Just Breathe PD. Um, you can get all the information as far as uh, the episodes and interactions there. So that's where we're currently at. Um, we've got a little bit of steam behind us right now, but. Uh, always welcoming more listeners and, and feedback. That's always great. Yeah. Cool, man. I, I love the podcast. Love what you're doing with it. The stories are always riveting and hilarious. Appreciate it. Uh, even if most of them are at your own expense. <laughs> it's like I said, I got to get a different approach here because I'm starting to share too much. <laughs> All right, good times. Worth All right, man. We'll catch right, you soon. Thanks for having me, bro. All right, dude. All right. Later. Well, we said it all. We said plenty. But I want to leave you guys with this. Don't starve to death while you're standing in front of a buffet trying to figure out why you're hungry. You just got to get in there, man. You just got to start eating. You got to start living your life. You got to start doing things. Don't spend too much time trying to figure out why we're here. Just be here. Be in the now. Start being, start doing, okay? All right, we'll see you guys on Thursday. Peace out. podcast is brought to you by me the tamale mafia podcast is on spotify youtube itunes podcast addict and just about anywhere else you listen to podcasts for more information about the tamale mafia podcast to like comment and share join the conversation anytime find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash tamale mafia our intro music is brought to you by me our transition music is brought to you by bensound.com. For more royalty-free music, check out bensound.com. Our outro music is brought to you by Lim. For more mind-blowing intellectual electronic tracks, go to soundcloud.com forward slash get Lim. That's L-I-M-N. And as always, thanks for listening.